Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome you to our Christmas candlelight celebration. Welcome those watching online or by video. Let me say to you what I love to say to you, and that is Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. We hope you feel warmly welcomed and a part of this authentic family, and we're so excited about what God's doing this time of year in all of our lives. I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to look at a few verses around the Christmas story, but in Luke 9, 10, and 11, it's going to take me a minute to get to that section of Scripture. I'm going to put it on the screen as well if you don't have your Bible, and I want to talk about what the Scripture has to say to us about the Christmas story, what's Christmas all about, and I've been thinking about something, and so I always like to make real life connect with the biblical stories, because even though our worlds have changed, there's a lot that's similar about us and some of the stories in the Bible as well, so I've been thinking about this little thing that is a part of our everyday lives. Come on, I hear a little reaction. Some of you are already on to what it is, but you're just, some of you are pondering it. What is that? And, uh, and so we're going to come back to that as well and talk about it because I've been thinking about that. But before we get to that, one of the things that happens in a family, and I always love to say to you where my heart is, I see myself more than just a speaker. One of the great joys of my life is being a husband, being a dad, but also I feel like I'm the most fortunate pastor, most blessed pastor on the planet, because for many of you, I'm your pastor, and I love what I do, what I get an opportunity to do to serve you, um, and so I feel like I'm just so fortunate and blessed uh, with what God is doing among us, and so one thing that families do, and you'll probably do it at some point over the next few days as you start reflecting a little bit this time of year. And so I thought one of the things, if you would bear with me, that I want to do is I just want to celebrate God's goodness among us as a family. Because we never just wanted to be a crowd of people that gather, we wanted to be a family that celebrate milestones along the way. That's where our name comes from, that we celebrate the significant moments of life and that really life is about relationships and the rest is all details. But one of the things that I really celebrate that's a massive thing that God did among us is that he provided through your generosity this awesome place that we get to worship in this Christmas. And so we don't want to lose sight of that. We want to thank him at every turn. Come on. It's so awesome that we can invite more people from our community to worship with us. Some of you don't know this, but last Christmas we were behind Taco Casa. The house is the taco right over here on 801 Keller Parkway. And we love Jesus just as much behind the house of the taco as we do this year, but we sure are thankful for a little bit more room. And so thank you for your generosity. And really, because we don't ever, we, we really have never made it about facilities or buildings. It's about God and it's about one another. We wanted to make a statement to our community. And so we moved into this facility on Palm Sunday and the day before, we went out into our community to serve our community, to deal with code violations, to serve the poor, to take care of people from all walks of life. We remodeled a single mom's home. And so I want to say thank you 
to all of you that serve. And we're going to have another serve day coming this spring. And so this is, this is the kind of thing that we should celebrate this time of year. And one more thing that's near and dear to my heart is that behind Taco Casa, we had a vibrant group of next generation type people that were still willing to come behind Taco Casa. But as we moved into this new space and given them a little bit more room and a few more toys, not that it's about the toys, really, they come for the worship and the word and to really live out their faith. We have seen so many young people touched in the last several months. And so that's awesome, it's awesome. It's, it's so awesome that you are a church, that it's not about our moment, but it's about the next generation, our future teachers, our future moms, our future leaders of our country. You guys realize you're gonna be in the nursing home. These people will be making the decisions about your future. And so we love them in this church and we wanna keep equipping them and we're so thankful for them. And one of the other things that is really unique to our culture is again, it's more than just crowds of us gathering. It's about that we're all on a journey with God. And I don't give a lot of numbers. We'll have more people worship with us this Christmas than ever in our history. But really that's awesome, but no one wants to feel like they're a number. Everyone wants to know that they're valued, and so one of the things we talk about here is we're an everyone church, and we want everyone to take steps in their spiritual journey. So the kind of numbers I celebrate is this, that since we've moved in to this new facility, and then all year long, we've had 1,139 of you that have started what we call our growth track, to, to step out of the shadows, to not just wear the uniform, but say, hey, I wanna participate and I wanna grow in my faith and I wanna tell you, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Keep taking steps along the way. So God has been so good to us this year and we celebrate his goodness. Now back to my little thing I've been thinking about. If you're wondering what it is, the official name is it is a typing awareness indicator. If you have an iPhone or someone you know has an iPhone, then you've seen this little image. It's new to us. It came in 2015. The fact is, really, for a lot of you, you're gonna say, look, you're, you're like a grandpa. This whole texting technology, the whole world at your fingertips is relatively new as well. I am not that old, but I remember when you had to be someone special or have a lot of money to have a cell phone. And it was like this big, had a big antenna, and you could call Mars on it, okay? And I remember when I got my first cell phone, and I, I remember, I, I, I know, I, I remember when I got my first text message because it scared me. I was thinking, I was just kind of learning how to use it, and then all of a sudden someone, what's up? I'm like, whoa, whoa, someone's talking to me through my phone. Not the case for my kids. They text each other when they're in the same room. <laughs> like, okay, we're, we're right here. I mean, do we need to, you know, talk, you know, talk, you know. My older ones, you know, they've had a cell phone for a little while, and so my main coaching for them is find your own charger. <laughs> I've bought 10. Can you leave mine in the plug by my bed? My middle one, she's in seventh grade, she just got hers and we're coaching on the amount of text. Are y'all with me? Come on, junior high parents. So they're just, she's texting away. I remember when I told her, if you get a cell phone, honey, she really wanted a cell phone. I said, when you get one, 
There's never going to be another moment in your life that you're not connected to technology. She said, I still want one, okay? Lainey, my little one now, she wants one. And we're like, look, we're holding you off. She told me the other day, she said, Dad, I can get one. I'll just play games on it, you know? I won't get on the internet. I'll just get on there just to play games. But I do feel as a pastor and a community leader, maybe I should start giving some etiquette, not just to my children, but to all of us about this, right? When you're having a conversation with someone and you check your phone, which we do 100 times a day, and start texting that's rude. When you're at a red light, come on, are y'all feeling me? And the typing awareness indicator goes off, and then the light turns green, you're supposed to go. Are you with me? Okay? I'm talking about unspiritual people, they, they don't give you that long. You know what I'm saying? Of course, myself as a pastor, I give you a little longer, especially if you're the guy that was in front of me the other day and I was getting ready to lay on the horn and I noticed it was a Milestone Church bumper sticker. Okay. Technology's changed our life and I've just been thinking about this typing awareness indicator. Here's what it really means. It means there's a message coming. Did you know neuroscientists say when you see that little image, there's, there's chemicals that start becoming released in your brain going, what is it? What is it? What's the message? What is it? It's gonna be good news, bad news. Text has a trouble giving tone sometimes, so sometimes we don't even know what the message is really communicating, but we want the message. The Christmas story is all about a moment where there's a message coming through. And the Bible, if you know anything about it, let me give you a little history. From the book of Malachi to the pages of the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. That's a long time for there to be silence. And so Christmas and the story of Christmas is when God breaks into our everyday world with a message for us. He breaks in with a message and he says, I have something to say to you. By the way, 400 years, the, the United States of America is 250 years old. So we're talking about an extended period of time. And when we look at the characters a lot of times of the Christmas story, we don't realize that God is, is coming into their world and it's just, it's an overwhelming kind of thing. And so when he breaks the silence, as I begin to pray for you this Christmas, and God is breaking the silence with the Christmas story, I began to, to really think about what, what is it that he's trying to say as he said it to them? Well, what, what's he saying to us? And so if you look at some of the characters in the Christmas story, I'm gonna take you to Luke 2 in a minute and show you one that relates to all of us. Here's the first one that I wanna show you though, is Joseph. Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad, and he has this girl he's engaged to, and she is now, quote unquote, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, which again is inspired by, the, by God, and that is the true statement, and Jesus was born of a virgin, but put yourself in Joseph's spot. And he's a just man, and he's trying to deal with it, and he's really trying to kind of get out of the relationship, but it says this, after he had considered putting her away, this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Let's say that together. Do not, do not be afraid. That's what the message was. Do not be afraid. You may not know this is part of or connected to the Christmas story, but Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner, 
There's a lot in there about his story and his father, Zechariah, was troubled when he saw him and it says this, he's dealing with the implications of God's message and it says, fear fell upon him. I've never seen that phrase in scripture really or it really didn't jump out at me, fell upon him, but I've experienced it. I've experienced when you're just, you're walking through life and some circumstance comes and fear fell upon him. But look at the message of Christmas. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And Mary, this central figure to the whole story, it says this, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And now in Luke 2, look at this, do you see this pattern? In Luke 2, this is the story of the shepherds. We love the shepherd's story, but in fact, theologians believe as this message comes through, the shepherds are like standing in proxy, if you will, for all of humanity. They represent the everyday person. They represent all of us. And so these words come through as an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So you say, Jeff, wait a minute. This message came through on the first Christmas. Is this a common message? Actually, it's one of the most common phrases that God gives to us all the way through the Bible. To all these Bible characters, not just the Christmas characters, a common theme when God speaks or has a message, he would constantly say, do not be afraid. So, so, so for some of you that are a little deeper thinkers about this scriptural precedent and the truth, I, I do wanna just, for us, think about it at a little deeper level so you don't think, well, Jeff, you're just trying to pull that phrase into our everyday world and oversimplify it. And, and as I begin to think about you and pray about this and think about it and ask God, what's he saying and why did you say this so much? I think when we recognize why they were so afraid, maybe we might understand why we're so afraid. Because there's some practicals here. One, if an angel shows up, or you had some of these supernatural occurrences in your life, you might have a little fear related to that. You might go, wait, whoa, 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 this is out of the box. So, so there's a practical reason that there's some fear involved. But there's also some other reasons that we can really relate to as well. They're dealing with some cultural issues as well as it relates to God. You, you see, in this time period, again, there's been this season and, and God is kind of the one who lives over here in the holy place and he doesn't talk to the everyday person and so they have some different religious things and some cultural things and so they're, they're dealing with, if you will, some religious fears related to God talking to them. And here's a big one we can all relate to. He's asking them to do some out-of-the-box stuff. Every time God comes into our world, he has a great message for us. The same message from, that he gave the shepherds, did you notice it? He said, I have good news. Don't be afraid. I have some good news of great joy, which is for all the people. If you've heard any other message from God, then it's good news, then you've heard the wrong message. It's always when God shows up, it's good news, but generally it messes with our natural paradigm. 
It's counterintuitive, if you will. So therefore, when God's asking us to do something that's outside of our religious paradigm, that's outside of our natural paradigm, that's outside of our natural logic, one of the common emotions that we all have is we have a lot of fear. So I believe the same message he gave all the way through the Bible and on the first Christmas could be a message for some of you this Christmas. And that is, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? When we begin to look at how God gives that message and we unpack it, we start asking some questions. Why does God keep saying, do not be afraid? Well, number one, he knows we are. <laughs> he knows we're fearful people. He knows we have all these fears. And I don't know, but maybe with the technology of today, there's more reason to be afraid because we're more connected to more things that can make us afraid. So there's more messages and there's more news and there's more information that may be heightening it. And now we have more definitions for fear. You know, we have all kinds of new names for fear. Cholerophobia, I found, is the fear of clowns. I don't know if you're afraid of clowns. How many of y'all are afraid of spiders? Arachnophobia, afraid of spiders. If you look up any list, I think it goes spiders. Probably the top one's public speaking. Pray for me right now. And then there's like spiders and sharks and a whole list of other things. I did find one that is called mesophobia, which is the fear of germs. My wife has that one. She bays me in antibacterial this time of year, right, with our 11 services, and I'm still an old school pastor that loves people, and I shake your hand, but you do me wrong. You come to church sick, and you're like, what's up, Pastor? Oh, praise God, Merry Christmas. God bless your ministry. God, God bless you. Ho, ho, ho. Go, go, go. Mesophobia, the fear of germs. I saw one, it doesn't have a phobia attached, but it is a new phenomenon, orthorexia. It is this condition when you eat too much health food, you can get sick. My mom has a food blog. My mom can outcook your mom, you know what I'm saying? My mom showed up here. We're having a little family celebration here over these days, and I love to help her unpack the car because I'm toting the precious mail of the treats. Come on, somebody with the treats. And my mom makes all these treats for me, and she knows my special treats, the Hello Dollies, and this year she made me some special German chocolate fudge. But, but there's a new phenomenon, just like the typing awareness indicator that didn't happen when I was growing up, and that is now I begin to unpack boxes that have the treat symbol on it, but they say gluten-free. The devil's trying to steal Christmas, y'all. <laughs> gluten-free treats? My wife tries to give me this stuff. It's like, she gives me something gluten-free, and I'm like, she's like, I said, what's wrong with this? She says, it's gluten-free. I said, it's taste-free too. I know we're, we're having fun and it's okay to have fun in church, but if we're really honest, it's more than spiders and gluten-free and all the other things or even germs. We have some deep fears. We have some deep fears about, will I live a significant life or has this decision affected my future? We have fears related to, will I ever get rid of the guilt? Can I change? We have fears related to our marriage and the people we love. We, we are overcome, fear falls on us every day. We have significant fears and so that's why God keeps having to tell us, 
Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be so afraid. And I always love to, to give you this as well, especially on these big weekends, because you look at me and you're like, Pastor, you seem so confident. You seem like you have it all together. No, no, I'm just like you have to deal with fear. In fact, I was a fearful kid. I was a fearful kid. I, I had a wild imagination. I had all kinds of fears about the dark. I, I, I had fear at my first swimming lessons. You guys may not, not, not think this about me. I went to swimming lessons and I thought, that's a pool. You could drown in that. I'm sitting on the side. I went for two days. My mom let me sit on the side because your mom can't help you with your fears. You know what I'm saying? Your mom's like, you can sit if you want. When I got home, my dad said, how's the boy doing? She said, well, he's sitting on the side. He's afraid of the water. He said, well, I'm going to come down there and throw him in. We were abused, people. We were abused. I had fears when I showed up for my first day of college. I had a fear when I, I loved this woman with all my heart, knew God had called us together, but I'll never forget, when I, when I, on, on my wedding day, I'm thinking, okay, God, there, there's fears. Do I, do I have what it takes to be a husband? When I had my first child, when, when we started Milestone Church in a cafetorium south of here with very little money, and along the way in the early years, there were scary, scary moments where I didn't know if we would make it. I thought I would have to do something else. We have fears, guess what? I have fears today. I have fears regarding the people I love. I've had fears regarding my wife's health challenges along the way a few times. My dad's health challenges. I have fears regarding people that I pastor and being concerned for them and concerned for their decisions. And I am right now parenting children who drive motorized vehicles. I never used to pray at midnight. I'm up in the presence of God at midnight. Jesus, help them. Come on, parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about? This is scary business. God, take care of them. I find myself, I, I, have, I have fears. Can I share with you something, though, that I learned early on in my journey with God? Here's a verse of scripture that could help some of you. Here's, if you know this, I'm not saying it does away with all your fears, but it, it puts water on the fire. Let me show you this verse right here. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, look at the phrase, drives out fear. You see, fear's always related to, can I trust the person that's asking this of me? Can I, can I trust their character? But perfect love, which is what's found in the Christmas story, is that Jesus, perfect, this perfect baby who became a man, who grew up, who loved us perfectly, when he comes into your life, he extinguishes fear because perfect love is the antidote to fear. Now, now, fear in life can hurt your relationships. It can hurt you from moving forward into all that God has called you to. It can have damaging, and hear me on this, fear is paralyzing. Fear will just paralyze you, okay? And it can affect your life. But there's no fear any greater then the fear, here's the second reason God keeps saying do not be afraid, and primarily what he was getting at here in these Christmas passages is he knows fear can keep us from him. Fear can keep us from him. Those religious fears, those relational fears, those situations that we've walked through with the natural people in our lives that we project on God, the fears that we have about our adequacy and whether or not we can measure up to what he's asking of us, Religious heritage, 
The last seven or eight months, I've had this on my heart just regarding people that come from different religious backgrounds or religious heritage. You may be coming to church and it's like you're, you, you've been maybe a part of a tradition or, or, or some type of religious heritage and this is a real fear. How many of you know that in your journey with God, we're, we're all in process? We're in process with God and, and, and things change and we understand new things about him but here's a real fear, and these guys had it right here on this first Christmas. Wait a minute, God's talking to me and he has some good news and Jesus. When God starts moving you forward into his plan for your life, sometimes the fear is, what, am I being disrespectful to my heritage if I move forward in God? Am I being disrespectful to my parents if I do this? If I grew up Catholic, Episcopal, Baptist, Church of Christ, or something else, well, am I, am, I, am I being disrespectful if I step forward and those religious hangups can hold you back from moving forward in God? Perfect love removes fear. Perfect love removes fear. And here, if I were to say the number one hangup though from you really going, okay God, here's my life. You got good news for me. It's great joy for all the people. Probably the number one hangup is this, if I go all in with Jesus, if I really say, here's my life like he wants me to, can I live up to it? Can I do it? You know, I've, I've kind of built an MO, I've kind of built a, with my friends or with my family or, and so, so a lot of times, the person who seems so resistant to really surrendering their life to Jesus are the most afraid. Afraid of what someone may think, or I might become a religious weirdo, or I, I can't do it. Well, well I want to settle that fear for just a second. Romans 5, 8, talking about love and fear. Look at this. God demonstrated his own love. He demonstrates his own love. By the way, God's not like people in your life who have said, I love you, but let you down. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, when we're on our worst day, when we could not earn it, if you're saying, I don't know if I can measure up, let me settle the question. You can't. You can't live up to it. You can't earn it. You can't do enough religious deeds. You can't turn over enough new leaves. You can't better yourself enough to have this true good news and life and person of Jesus Christ live on the inside of you. You can't. And that's why God showed his love to us in our fear. He demonstrated it. How did he demonstrate it? He was born a baby as one of us. He dies on a cross to make the payment. Why did he have to die on the cross? He paid a debt that you couldn't pay. He paid for your inadequacy. He paid for your fear. He paid for all the things that are holding you back. He paid for it, then he rose from the dead and he comes different than any other religious ideology. He's not saying, come join my ideas come submit to these different things that I'm saying. He's saying, I'm coming to find you and I'm going to live in you and with you. And I'm gonna do the changing. I'm gonna do the transforming. All I need you to understand is I loved you enough to demonstrate it to you that while you were still a sinner, I died for you. That's how much I love you. You don't have to perform and I knew you couldn't perform it. That's why I performed it for you. That's how much I love you. And when you see that kind of love, here's what it does. You let your guard down. You let your guard down. You say, okay, I, I can trust you. I can surrender. 
few months ago, I was preaching in one of our Saturday night services. And, and just in the middle of the message, it wasn't even in my notes. I, I was just preaching about our inability to get to God and how he loved us enough to come to us. And, and just, just in the middle of it, I just said, and if you're an atheist, you know, if you're, you're just, you're far from God and feel like you're the least person, then God still loves you. And by the way, you're welcome here at Milestone. Wherever you come from, you're welcome. You have to play well with others and be nice and all that. But look, but, but if, if you, you know, you, you, you're welcome to hang around. In fact, if it's not true, you won't have anything to worry about. But if Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the only one that can fill that void in your life, if he's the only one that can deal with your fear, then he may just show up and intersect your world. Not long after that, I had a gentleman come up to me and began to talk to me, and he said, when you talked about that, there was some things you were talking about related to me, and so I asked our team, I said, I wanna tell Jason's story on Christmas. Now, I tell Jason's story not to say that you may have everything related to his story, but the reason I show you his story is to show you someone maybe far enough away to illustrate the point of his love. So I want you to watch this story and see how far reaching the love of God is to remove fear barriers to bring someone to him. Watch Jason's story with me. I was a devout atheist. There, there was no God. I knew that Bible front and back, verse for verse. I knew how to counter any religious argument that was presented to me. I didn't have to answer to anybody. Late August of 2004, I deployed to a, a country north of Afghanistan. Just my experiences, transporting the wounded, being on the ground and witnessing and seeing things uh, transformed me to where I was having a hard time processing. When I came home, I started reverting back to prior military habits of drinking and the drinking led to drugs. Before I knew it, I was uh, addicted to crack cocaine. It was an escape for me to find an easy way out I felt like if I admitted that I had PTSD or some type of disorder that I was a lesser of a man. My wife developed a drug problem. She had forged my name, wrote checks on her own account to get money. It was a dark time. All we wanted to do was get high and we found ourselves homeless. We were living on the street, living in and out of hotels, and, but at the same time we had no way to escape. It was the rock bottom. We had nothing. The knock came on the door and it was two police officers and they, they picked up Allison and took her from me. And she got charged with felony and she ended up going to prison. My addiction went even further. I started spiraling downward because she was gone. The night before my birthday, I had been up for three days and I'd done so many drugs that I was inadvertently about to kill myself until I felt just this need and calling to call my mom and she told me to come home. The only time we went to church before was Easter and Christmas, and I always thought that people are gonna judge you, they're gonna look at you weird, they're gonna look at you funny, and 
That was my initial expectation before I even stepped foot in a church. When I started going to church with my mom and then eventually my wife, I literally thought I was going to catch on fire. I would sit down and I thought I would see smoke coming up from the seat because, you know, I was a heathen. I was, felt like I was the worst of the worst. And it was completely opposite of, of what my initial thoughts were, my perception. It was genuine love. It was strangers coming up to me, asking who I am. I was introducing myself. I was getting out of my comfort shell and, and just seeing you know authentic Christianity at its best. I wanted to know what the truth was and, and to open my heart to listen to his word. God was calling to me and he was changing me over this period of time to where my thoughts and my personality started to change and I was able to witness this earning to get to know what he was saying and what the Bible was saying and, and what it truly meant. Through a series of revelations and, and prayer through family and friends, uh, Alice and I uh, gave ourselves to Christ. All the stress, all the anxiety, all the burdens, everything was just lifted from us. It was magnificent. We were going to two Bible studies a week and going to church on Sundays. It was just like the old Jason was gone and the new Jason was up. It was like a, a new marriage between my wife and I because we were walking in the new. I could go back to that old life and I know what that old life was like, but I wouldn't change that for anything in the world with my walk with Jesus. I did some pretty horrible things. Everything has been forgiven. And uh, I just know that that love that God has for us and for everyone to be drawn to Him and to come to Him is the ultimate goal. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life, but God stirred up my heart long before we came to know Him. And if He can change my heart, I know what He can do for anyone else. thank you to Jason for telling his transparent story. I'm going to ask you if you would just to bow your heads with me at this point and I'm going to ask if we could to not have anyone move around just for just a moment. You know, with your head bowed there for just a second, I, I want to tell you something that's still amazing to me about God. I've never lost the sense of wonder and amazement about this reality how much he deeply loves us and how he moves in our lives uniquely to bring us to moments with him. And you may look back over the last few weeks or months or even years or days or just the last few moments and you can see God's hand guiding you and how he's orchestrated some things and brought you to a moment like this. It's amazing to me how he does that. But still, even though you know he's brought you to the moment, you still have to cross the fear barrier. And the fear barrier is where you say, okay, God, I know you love me, but I trust you enough to really surrender my life to you. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. The greatest Christmas gift you could ever receive, the greatest gift you could give your friends or family is to 
move that fear barrier out of the way by knowing the love of God. Wednesday night, we had a lady who served in our children's ministry and her husband received Christ. She came up with so much emotion saying, I've been praying for him. Sir, you may be the answer to your wife's prayer. Mom, you may be the answer to some friends or young person or single person. Most importantly, a lifetime and eternity walking in relationship with Jesus. Nothing is a greater gift. So right where you are, I would just ask you, I would ask you to, with sincerity, just follow me with these words. They're, they're, I'm gonna use the words, but it's more than the preacher or the pastoral words. It's really about your heart. And you're just saying, Jesus, here I am. Here I am with my fears, and here I am with my mistakes, my sins. But here I am, real before you. And I recognize that you love me. And that love is enough to motivate me to say, I wanna give you all of me. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I want you to be my savior, not just the savior of the world. I want you to be my savior, my Lord, my Jesus. I ask you to come into my life. Maybe some of you have been away. You need to come back. Jesus, come back into my, just come into my world. I surrender myself to you. If you prayed that prayer, I'm not gonna embarrass you, make you come forward, make you stand up in any way, but I wanna know who I prayed with and I have a little something I wanna give you. There are ushers in the aisle. So with every head bowed, if you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer, or maybe you prayed online, would you just slip your hand up if you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Maybe you're at our McKinney campus and you prayed that prayer. Raise your hand. Keep it up until the ushers see it. Just keep it up. Just keep it lifted up. They have a gift from me to you. It's a Bible that I wanna give you. They're gonna give you a little card there. And so if you'll just keep your hand up long enough for them to give you one of those right over here in the middle. Anyone else? It's the most important decision you can ever make. And so we're so excited that you're making that sincere decision and I wanna help you. I wanna help you be able to begin to grow in, in Christ. And so the way you do that is with the Bible. And so just, just keep your hand up, ma'am, right there. Keep your hand. There's one right here, Ron, right here. This lady in the middle. That Bible will help you start growing and uh, you can start by reading the book of John. I'm gonna ask you to go to the table of contents, find the book of John, and now that God lives in you, he will teach you as you begin to read that book and you're gonna learn more about Jesus. And after the first of the year, you can get involved in our growth track. And so I wanna pray for a second group though, many in here receiving Christ and maybe online there as well. But how many of you say, Pastor, I've got some fears this Christmas. Would you just pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and say, I've got some things that I've got concerning me, some fears maybe. Lord, I pray for people, just even lifting your hands a point of contact just to say, God, here I am. And Lord, I thank you that you go beyond my words and do what only you can do. And you show up in these situations and lives and bring your love and bring your power and bring your grace bring a Christmas miracle into their story. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 